Let's start with one basic uh, presupposition that we have about this whole idea of uh, talking to your spouse about your history, and that would be if you fully intend to have greater intimacy, greater relationship uh, connection with your spouse, how can it be that you have deeper intimacy if you have secrets? In other words, you're constantly on guard. You're constantly protecting a whole category of truth. And uh, it's a problem that will will basically shut down uh, the average addict for sure. And inherently, because there's a whole list of stuff that you're not being honest about, inherently there will be a distance that develops in the relationship. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. Today we're going to feature a legacy podcast featuring Dr. Mark Laser and myself, Randy Everett. We go back in time to when our original podcast, we didn't know what podcasts were. Uh, so it started out as the Men of Valor program because Mark always had the desire to have what he called an online radio show. Uh, that's before we knew that uh, podcasts were uh, a thing to come. So the following is such a recording featuring Mark and me, and we're going to be discussing Breaking the Silence, uh, and that's Mark's recommendations of when you have discovered that you have this battle that you are fighting and you're in the midst of a healing journey, how do you break that news to your spouse, to your children, to your friends? Um, Mark just shares some great wisdom and experience on how to share such uh, an impactful message. So here now is Dr. Mark Laser in Breaking the Silence. Randy, today we're going to talk about breaking the silence. Mark, that's a great subject to be talking about today. It, it fits in well with our current uh, attempt to answer some of the um, most frequently asked questions coming in, because that's a big one for a lot of men out there that are uh, struggling with uh, sexual purity issues, uh, sexual addiction issues, uh, breaking the silence. Who do you share that, uh, that uh, discovery with? Well, and uh, we're going to break it down a little bit today into a couple of different uh, populations. Uh, one of the main questions, obviously, for anyone struggling with addiction is, uh, do I talk to my spouse, or if I do, how do I? And then uh, we're also going to talk about the possibility of sharing some of this with your children, uh, your extended family, your community, uh, and perhaps even your church. What an interesting thought that would be, Randy. Not an easy subject to bring up over the uh, dinner table. Well, that or uh, at the church coffee hour. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so how was your week? Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what's buy you new with you? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? And uh, so um, one of the, you know, uh, the listeners may know, but uh, if they don't know, I'll say it again, that uh, I have a lot of favorite uh, uh, sayings from Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of my favorite sayings is, you are as sick as your secrets. And I think the average addict knows that uh, the people that are listening to the show would be aware of uh, 
how lonely it has been, really, to be existing for uh, years and years and years, in some cases uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years, and have some major uh, behaviors that you've just never shared with anyone. And that loneliness is, in fact, you know, part of what contributes to the, uh, the vicious cycle of addiction, that uh, you just don't have healthy enough relationships to be honest. Well, and I've heard you say numerous times, and it seems to be so true, is the biggest detriment to uh, this silence is the biggest drawback. Mm. Well, you know, uh, so let's just talk a little bit about what our teaching is to uh, men who come here for counseling, for workshops, uh, and that is definitely that... uh, they do need to share the truth with their spouse. Uh, now, we have to realize, of course, Randy, that we've, uh, we've had a whole lot of people come here because they have been discovered by their spouse. The spouse has seen some kind of evidence of uh, their pornography usage on the computer or stumbled across it when they walked into the room and the computer screen is still on. Uh, They've seen evidence on the phone. Uh, uh, there's bills in the pocket when the wife goes to, you know, do the laundry or take it even to the cleaners. There's there's a whole lot of different ways that you know the wives uh, discover a- accidentally discover this stuff. So uh, we we need to accept the fact that uh, there may be a whole population of men out there who have in fact been discovered. Uh, what we're talking about today is whether you've been discovered or whether you have a moment someday, you're convicted someplace that you need to start telling the truth. Uh, then the question becomes, um, how do I tell my spouse? How much do I tell my spouse? And uh, what is the proper context for doing that? So um, we're huge believers here in what we call full disclosure and I think uh, we should mention at the moment that we have a uh, e-product on our website about how to set up uh, a therapeutically driven full disclosure. Yeah, so the, the process of going through right. full disclosure, uh, sitting down and kind of uh, from A to Z, uh, giving the guidance that's necessary so that full disclosure can be successful for both man and wife. That, that's right. And that, that e-product is uh, for everyone, certainly, but it's, uh, I think, most specifically relevant to any pastors or therapists who might be listening who might you know, want to be involved in helping to set up such a, such a full disclosure. And that can be found in our uh, faithfulandtrue.com uh, in the bookstore under e-products. That's right. But let's start with uh, one basic uh, presupposition that we have. Uh, about this whole idea of uh, talking to your spouse about uh, your history, and that would be if you fully intend to have greater intimacy, greater relationship uh, connection with your spouse, how can it be that you have deeper intimacy if you have secrets? In other words, uh, you're constantly... Uh, on guard, uh, you're constantly protecting a whole category of truth, and uh, it, it, it's, a, 
it's a problem that will will basically shut down uh, the average addict for sure. And inherently, because there's a whole list of stuff that you're not being honest about, inherently there will be a distance that develops in the relationship. One of the ways I always looked at it in my early days of recovery was, you know, did I want to go another day, another week, another month, wondering if Deb were to find out about my stuff, what would she do? You know, would she uh, kick me out of the house? Would she leave? Would she file for divorce? It was that fear and anxiety that kept me silent uh, for a whole lot of years. And uh, I just continued to do whatever I was doing in my active addiction, uh, you know, in secret, in silence. And there there were a lot of mental gymnastics that um, that I had to go through on, a, on an average daily basis. The mental energy it consumed was... Uh, at times, almost even overwhelming. I, I remember, Randy, when I finally did get discovered in Intervena, there was a huge sense of relief, as strange as that may sound, uh, to be able to finally talk about some of this stuff. Your hand was literally forced mm-hmm. uh, by the fact that you were found out by those that mm-hmm. you worked for and you were intervened on. So right. uh, although you had that in, internal struggle of, do I tell Deb, what do I tell right. Deb, uh, while you're thinking about that, uh, the cat was let out of the bag. Yeah, that's right. So one of the things I'm thinking about at the moment that uh, the listeners might uh, think about for reflection, and I know, Randy, that there are some groups of guys out there that are listening to the, to the show who might be discussing it as a group. So let me introduce to you uh, kind of a group discussion topic to kind of help us continue to talk about this, this idea of who do I tell and that would be this question. Where in your life did you learn to lie? Most of us have learned to lie by the time we ever got to school. And don't get me wrong, you know, studies have shown that the average person on a daily basis, uh, just in the course of normal uh, living, uh, is not always completely honest about a variety of things. You walk into your office in the morning and somebody asks you how you're feeling and you're probably not going to get honest. You're probably going to tell a form of a lie. I'm doing fine. I'm okay. I'm good. Um, I'm not talking about that kind of lie. I'm talking about where did you learn to not tell the truth about what you were actually feeling, what was going on? How did you learn to uh, to hide things in your life? And my belief is that the average guy I work uh, with learned how to lie early. And uh, there can be a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, I think the main one is, was it safe to be honest about the truth uh, growing up in your home? Uh, There are those people that can relate to the fact that if they got honest about something as a kid, they were going to get uh, beaten. They uh, were going to have physical consequences if they were completely honest about something that they were doing. So they themselves learned how to, you know, hide things even early on. there were people who just didn't want the consequences of how they were going to get talked to uh, if they got honest about well i'm I'm feeling really sad today. Well, you know there are those uh, families where if you're sad, uh, somebody's going to try to talk you out of being sad. Uh, it's not okay to be sad. It's not okay to have that feeling. Um, that was certainly the case in in uh, my family i you know I grew up with a uh, uh, pastor, I'm a preacher's kid, so you know, if I told the truth to my dad, I was for sure going to get some uh, lecture uh, <clears throat> or sermon 
and it would also include scriptural references. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not bad to teach scripture to a kid. But, you know, if you're trying to get honest about what's going on with you, and you know every time you do, you're going to have a sermon, uh, you do tend to shut yeah. down. You're going to be hesitant about sharing with that That's right. knowledge. Yeah. On the other hand, my, my mother was, uh, I, I think, uh, a person who struggled with lots of anxiety. So if I were to share whatever was going on with me with her, uh, I could be sure of the fact that there would be 10, 15, 20 more questions. Um, there was not going to be any kind of privacy to that. Uh, the long and the short of it is, uh, I'm just asking the listeners to think about what were the circumstances in your family that may have led you to learn how to lie? Maybe it was that uh, there were people around you, parents, siblings, extended family, your friends down the street uh, that were all lying about a variety of things. You were getting a lot of modeling about just not telling the truth. Uh, I know that by the time I was 11 uh, and starting to look at pornography, there would be no way at that point that I was going to talk to my parents. It just wasn't a safe thing to talk about back in those days. So, uh, you know, Debbie uh, was obviously hurt by the fact that I'd lied to her for many, many years. The truth of it is I went into our marriage and I, I well knew how to lie and cover up and have uh, a secret life. So those of you that are listening to the broadcast, I'd like you to think about you know, this uh, idea of what was truth-telling like for you growing up and that maybe it was a pattern that you already knew about that you uh, simply brought into your marriage. And, Mark, isn't it true, however, that addicts of any uh, sort are really very good liars? Well, we, we have various expressions <clears throat> for them, some of which are not repeatable for a public broadcast, but yes. Yeah, we do generally think that, you know, all addicts are liars. There's a lot of sayings, like if an addict is, uh, has his mouth open, he's lying, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So uh, when you think about your history, uh, one of the things to think about with that is uh, what is it going to take for you to learn how to tell the truth? I, I think one of the great values of the support group systems that are out there, whether they be a 12-step group or a, a church-based or, you know, Christ-centered group, is that you're going to be hanging around now uh, with truth tellers. And like when you go to your first support group meeting and there are other men there that are getting honest about their stories, it kind of is contagious. You will learn to tell some things about yourself that you never imagined talking to anyone about. So one of the principles that I wanted to get across on the show this morning is that if you're contemplating talking honestly to your wife or others, you know, you may need to practice with others that are maybe... Uh, you know, other men, uh, or if you're a woman listening to this, other, other women, so that uh, with people that you, you uh, uh, don't have as much investment in the relationship, uh, it's sometimes easier to practice telling the truth in those support group situations. One of the principles of intimacy disorder, which is partly what we're talking about today, is that the person that I am the most afraid of losing is the person that I am the least likely to tell the truth to. Uh, meaning that, like in my case, Debbie is the most important person. She's the person that I'm the least likely to tell the truth. When I went to treatment and when I went to my first support group meetings, it was relatively easy to tell the truth to strangers. First of all, they were modeling it to me, and it was easier to tell it back. But I didn't have that same anxiety. If I lose these guys, it wouldn't be as devastating. So 
I think that's a hard one for some of the spouses to hear. You know, it seems counterintuitive. The one that you love the most would be the one that you're most likely to tell the truth. But in the anxiety disorder of the intimacy problems that we're talking about here today, you know, remember the principle that the one that you're you love the most is the one that you're the least likely to tell the truth to because you have more to lose more with to that lose. with with That's that right. individual when you're talking to your uh, the group in front of you and you're sharing and it's like you said everyone in that group is is being truthful um it just seems by nature easier to bear your soul to those people That's right that's right. Now, does this also, uh, you know, in a previous show, we were talking about uh, the importance of having an accountability group. Right. And, and are those the early stages where you're building that trust when, when you're sharing right. uh, those truths uh, as painful as they can be? Uh, that's kind of the foundation of that accountability group? That's right. Uh, I was just thinking that the groups that we run here at our uh, counseling center, there are counseling groups. When a new man comes into the counseling group, is his first meeting, his first night, we always have a little ritual where we uh, have all the other men who've been coming, we have them tell a 30 to 60 second version of their story. Uh, it's, you know, welcome, here's who we are, uh, but they are modeling truth telling. And uh, in that modeling, it makes it easier for the new guy to to maybe tell his story as well. Well, that's got to really ease some of the personal pressure that the new person is feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we like to think so. Uh, and I've, you know, the interesting part of that, I, I've never really seen it fail now that I think about it, that, you know, in that kind of uh, setting, uh, the new guy will generally always tell uh, his story. One of the things I wanted to mention for the listeners to be aware of is that uh, there is in the 12-step communities when we talk about truth-telling and disclosure to spouse, there has been an attitude at times that uh, you should not tell your spouse uh, specifics. Uh, the reason being, uh, it might hurt them. The eighth and ninth step or the twelfth step says, you know, you made a, uh, a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And ninth step is, and made direct amends, and here's the problem, except when to do so would injure them or others. Now, that injury possibility has led some of the 12-step uh, communities or some of the groups to say, you know, you should not tell your spouse. It would be too hurtful to them. And I would just say, we don't agree with that. It might, it might hurt them, but uh, Debbie's uh, got a saying, it might hurt them, but it will harm them worse if you don't tell them the truth. So there's a difference between hurt and harm. It's very harmful to a relationship. Uh, not to get honest completely. We have, we've already established, at least in my mind, that it's an absolutely essential thing to do, to be completely honest. Uh, I think one of the things that also uh, is not unique, but it's certainly one of the things we, we uh, uh, represent here at our organization, is that when you tell the truth to your spouse, you should not just tell the truth from the time when you met him or her. You should tell the truth about your history uh, from birth to the present. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think it, it's about total honesty, about being fully known. And also, it's, it's probably the case that the sexual addiction way preceded your spouse. And right. one of the core beliefs of the average spouse is, well, you know, it's, it's our marriage, it's me, it's my problem, it's because I'm not attractive enough or whatever else it is that he's got this sexual addiction. 
the truth of it is that uh, for the vast majority, 95 or more percent of the guys, their addiction really didn't uh, start in the marriage. It started in childhood adolescence. And I think it's very important for the uh, the guys to tell their whole story from birth to the present. Well, I can see the importance of the spouse understanding that uh, the sexual addiction problem did not start with her. It it started, you know, much earlier in life and uh, was pre-existing before their relationship began. One last thing, I, you know, maybe I said one last thing earlier, and I lied. That was <laughs> one of the themes of the show. Well. But actually, actually, uh, there's one last point I think of, and that's just to give encouragement. It's it, and this is a counter, another counterintuitive uh, point. You may think that if you tell the truth and you you know fully disclose and you get you know really open about all of your history, even going back to birth, there's a greater likelihood you wind up divorced. You know, the truth of it is, and there's been research to back this up, there is a greater likelihood of getting divorced if you stay silent. Uh, if you go ahead and fully disclose and get completely open with your spouse about this, there's about a 90 to 95% chance that that marriage will survive. Not only survive, but thrive, because now you have a, a deeper level of intimacy going. And now, as tough as it would be to come clean and uh, expose those secrets to your spouse, um, as a father of two boys myself, uh, I can't imagine the uh, the pressure and probably shame that you uh, feel when it comes to trying to share this news, or, or do you share this news with your children? Well, I want to start with uh, another one of my questions for the listeners to contemplate. And, and uh, if you're listening to this as a group out there uh, for group discussions, one of the things, and this is maybe a general thing to say for those of you that are listening regularly, you know, you, you can um, really, uh, I think, benefit the most from listening to the show if you take us up on kind of contemplating, journaling, discussing some of the questions that we talk about on the show. So, you know, even even a general question about what is your group's idea about talking to spouses. But here's the question for this, uh, this segment, which is uh, when you were growing up, remember earlier we talked about when you were growing up, uh, how did you learn to lie? When did you learn how to lie? And why was it uh, maybe one of the ways you survived and coped in your family? Uh, this part of the question is, uh, when you were growing up and you were starting yourself to struggle with sexuality, uh, who was talking to you? Uh, who was uh, dispensing information to you? And I think, you know, all of us have stories or the absence of stories uh, when it comes to our fathers or mothers talking to us about this incredibly important topic of sexuality. You know, some of us had the... Uh, five-minute talk that was completely embarrassing and uh, uh, whatever uh, anxiety was present there. Uh, I think one of the proverbial things a parent will say at the end of that talk is, if you have any questions, come see me, which basically assumes that a kid knows enough about sexuality to even know what the questions are. I could do a whole show just on, you know, uh, that, that whole, uh, you know, anxious and uh, totally uncomfortable a place in uh, childhood and adolescence that uh, uh, most of us have lived through. Uh, but, but the question really is, what did you need to know? What would have been helpful to you uh, if your father or your mother had come to you 
and shared. Uh, now, if your mother or father were struggling themselves with sexuality, would it have been better if they had been honest about that at some point in your life? Or do you want to go on maybe having some intuition that maybe there were problems there, but no factual information, which kind of is crazy-making? Uh, or would it be better for you to know the truth? Uh, I think about it in terms of, uh, as I always do, you know, one of the places I start is my own journey of healing, you know, my own family. Uh, sex was a generally forbidden topic in my family, and uh, there was also always a sexual energy in my family. I knew stuff was going on, uh, particularly for my father, but I never knew the reality of what that was all about. Uh, after I got in recovery and as my father got older, there were some more things that started coming out. Uh, he was never uh, able to be honest enough to talk to me about any of his own struggles with sexuality. And I've always asked myself the question, would I have respected him more if he had been able to get honest with me about his story? And the answer to that is very clearly yes. I mean, here I was, 11, 12, I was struggling with pornography. My father may have been struggling at his own level. Would it have been better for me to feel less alone, uh, particularly if my father was taking it seriously and uh, maybe trying to get help or trying to do something about it? Uh, I know that as a young boy, I would have felt a whole lot less lonely about the whole thing, and I think that would have been better. Likewise, strangely enough, I think you know there were so many things I would have loved to have known about my mother that she never chose to share with me. So generally, uh, Randy, what we believe in here is that um, it is a very important thing to do, to get honest with your children. You don't need to get specific. You, know, you don't need to get down and dirty about the crass nature of everything that you were doing. But I think it is very important uh, to know uh, that uh, dad is struggling with sexuality. Uh, dad has struggled with pornography or masturbation or whatever else it is, having affairs. Kids have an intuitive sense of this anyway. So I, I, what I'm trying to say is I think that you know we always respect a truth teller more than we do a person who hides the truth. And do you format that discussion with your kids as a one-on-one -on -one discussion? Or, or is it do you sit down and mom and dad are both there and, and dad's going to now share his, his story? Well, I, you know, ideally, uh, I think it's it's a great thing uh, for mom and dad to sit down together, you know, with the kids uh, one by one or with the kids uh, as uh, a group, depending on how many kids you have. Uh, there may be future times when you have one-on-one -on -one conversations, but I, I think it's a good thing to introduce the topic because if a kid is uh, hearing that dad is struggling with this, uh, what is a kid's number one question going to be? How is mom taking this? Yeah, and is there going to be a divorce? Right. And uh, so for mom and dad to sit down and say, no, dad is working on this. We're working on ourselves together. We're going to try to get this right. We're going to move on. We're going to stay married. You're going to be safe. You know, that's really what uh, particularly the younger kids want to know. And uh, so I think it's important to introduce the conversation as a couple where possible. In other words, you and your wife are are you, uh, you and your husband are comfortable enough sitting down together and having that conversation and assuring the kids about the uh, the ongoing nature of your marriage? I think that's important. Uh, one of the principles here is that uh, we sometimes think this conversation has to be a one-time event, and I don't think that's true. I wrote a book back in the '90s called "Talking to Your Kids About Sex," and 
the the subtitle of that I still like, and that is a lifetime of healthy conversation. So you have one conversation when you, which you introduce the truth, but then I think that opens the door to have future conversations, and it, some of those future conversations may be relevant to the development of the children in terms of how they encounter their own struggles with sexuality or relationship. So you know, growing up in the fifties and sixties, I. Uh, well, you are older. Well, <laughs> our sex education, uh, my parents could have used your book because my mom gave me this small pamphlet. I believe I was uh, 10 years old, and, and she said, you know, read this, and then if you have any questions after you've right. read it. And so after reading uh, reading the, the pamphlet about sex, uh, my mother said, do you have any questions? And I only had one. Uh, we had four kids at the mm-hmm. time. And so my only question was, so am I to believe you and dad have done this four times? <laughs> and she she gave me the same response you did. She she laughed, she laughed out loud and said, no, actually, uh, there's been more than four times. Oh, well, at least she was honest enough to let you in on that. <laughs> but it's interesting, too, that it was your mother giving you the book. Uh, I mean, well, our question uh, to start this segment was uh, to have a conversation uh, with somebody or journal or something about what what this was like for you. Whatever discomfort you have today with the whole topic probably goes back to some of your own childhood stories about how uncomfortable your parents were. I once asked uh, the founder of our field, Pat Carnes, this question and, uh, about whether we should talk to our kids, and he said it was a moral imperative. It was a moral imperative to be honest with your children uh, about the truth about your life in this regard. Uh, and I have seen over the years, uh, uh, for our, ourselves and for many uh, other men, that it has led to uh, a lot of great conversations, great relationships. I think it has been incredibly helpful to a lot of children. One of the things we're uh, really interested in here, you know, in terms of what the Bible says about the sins of the father being being passed down to the second, third, and fourth generation, we're really interested in breaking that cycle. And uh, so I think one of the ways to break the cycle is to start telling the truth. Well, if you as a listener out there would like to break the cycle uh, in your personal life, um, again, it is imperative, as Mark has shared this morning, that uh, that you be truthful with your wife and with your children. We're going to wrap up today's show. Mark, are there any other comments you want to leave the listeners with before we call it a day? I think it's a gift. To be honest with another person is a gift. It's a gift to your children. It's a gift to your spouse. And uh, be of good courage and break the silence. Uh, uh, depend on God to help you to be courageous. And uh, we'd love to hear from those of you that, uh, as a result of listening to the show, may Uh, have some new experiences about what this was like to do this, particularly with your children. Write us and tell us your stories. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Faithful and True podcast. It's always great to hear Dr. Mark Laser and uh, today's presentation on Breaking the Silence. We hope that uh, Mark's words of wisdom and experience have been helpful to you. If you find yourself struggling with unwanted sexual behavior, we invite you to visit our website, faithfulandtrue.com, where you'll find lots of resources, articles, um, podcasts, over 400 podcasts to choose from, as well as our bookstore with many great resources by Mark and Debbie Laser. You'll also find all of the information about the three-day intensive workshops that we offer here at Faithful and True. 
We hope that all of this will help you on your healing journey as well. So until we meet again, we hope that this following week will be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.